And now, the money gurus, having come down from the highest peaks of the Appalachian Mountains, with unspeakable financial knowledge and market savvy, are here to provide you with long-lasting money advice that will guide you through all your days. Listen up, my friends, and gain some knowledge to make your money last. Welcome back to the Money Gurus podcast. I'm Morgan Jesse, and today I'm talking with Bo Blankenship, one of the Money Gurus. We are discussing why we need financial advisors. Okay, Bo, so I guess the best place to start is what is a financial advisor? That's a great question, Morgan. I, I think uh, part of the reason people ask the question, why do I need a financial advisor, is because they've had bad experiences with so-called financial advisors. And one thing I would tell people is, uh, there's a discussion in the financial planning industry about what the standard should be for a financial advisor to adhere to. So there's uh, I'm a CFP, so I'm held to a fiduciary standard, which means that I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own. Uh, the majority of brokers and people in the industry – selling financial products are held to what they call a suitability standard, which just means that they need to, um, whatever they sell or provide to the client just needs to be suitable for them. So obviously the fiduciary standard is a higher standard that they're held to. So certainly um, I think a a person's, a consumer's experience is going to be better and they're going to get better results if they look for a fiduciary, find a fiduciary and say, okay, well, this this looks more like what I was looking for when I said, why do I need a financial advisor? Right. So just because something, something might be suitable for me doesn't mean that it's what's best for me. Exactly. Exactly. And um, so, again, you see bad experiences. People will have a stockbroker or an insurance salesman. And, and remember, these people are salespeople. Uh, they don't necessarily have technical knowledge when it comes to financial planning. And so people have this experience with them, and they say, well, geez, Bo, all this person's trying to do is sell me something. Or or uh, the one thing I think is funny, I hear people say, well, I know more than the person that's providing right. the product, which honestly a lot of times they do because, they're, again, they're just salespeople and they're just trying right. to sell They tell product. you what you want to hear. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, and, and so what I would say is you need a financial advisor. Um, if you look at financial planning, what is the definition? It's the efficient use of money. So for a person to provide that kind of advice to a consumer, uh, they need to have tax expertise. They need to have investment knowledge, not just how to sell a product, but asset allocation, more technical understanding of it. They need to have an understanding of insurance and how it all fits together. And you're not going to get that from uh, a person who's just with one company. Right. So I know that's not every detail of what a financial advisor does, but I think that gives us a pretty good uh, starting place. Um, what is the number one reason you think someone needs a financial advisor? Uh, I would say the number one reason is to prevent them from making bad financial choices or bad choices uh, in their financial planning process. And uh, I see that regularly uh, when they 
when I meet with people who I, I, you know, maybe they're midlife and they've made all kinds of financial choices before they've met me. Um, I will say this, though, just going back to the financial advisor profile, one thing I think, again, that would ensure um, a person who asked this question, why do I need a financial advisor, if they can find an independent uh, person who can provide the advice. And I mean truly independent. They don't work for a bank or a brokerage house or an insurance company, uh, but rather they're, they're independent and they can provide objective advice. Uh, but I, I want to go through, um, Morgan, I just want to go through a few areas to really demonstrate where people have made bad decisions and maybe where a financial planner could could have helped them avoid that. Sure. So, so before we get into that, though, I think something that might scare people away from having a financial advisor is that they're under the impression that it's too expensive, it's going to cost me too much. Um, what do you say to them about that? Well, it could. It could be expensive. It could cost them too much. I think, the uh, again, if you're dealing with a fiduciary, if you're dealing with a fee-based planner, uh, it's very upfront. I mean, they say, here's my cost, and you decide whether there's value in, in the, the cost that they're charging you. Uh, I'll give you an example for us, though, and I, I think this is more common than you might think. So um, the majority of our clients are older clients because, obviously, you know, older folks have a lot more money. So, But, but their kids, uh, they, will, they will come to us and say, hey, you know, my – my kid really needs financial advice. Can you help him? And so I've had a number of meetings, both in person and on the phone, where we talk through financial situations that they're in, and I talk them through it, and there's no charge. Uh, and there's, and you don't necessarily have to be a, a child or a relative of a client to get that. I mean, sometimes we'll just help people out because we know long-term if we help them out now that when they are ready to sit down with a financial planner, they would... Uh, sit down with us because we've helped them in the past. So I, I don't really think if you really want financial advice, you're able to get it, and it really isn't too expensive. It's a great question, but I really don't think that's an obstacle to getting the financial advice that you need. Sure. Okay, well, that's great to know. Um, so if I need a financial advisor and I don't know what I don't know, what would some of those things be? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you a few examples. Uh, the, the easiest thing I would tell you is um, people really, on the investing side, and, and again, most people look at financial planning and they go right to investing, and it is a big part of what we do. Uh, but, for example, I have met multiple, probably hundreds of people that uh, are young and have their 401Ks or retirement plans all fixed interest or not very little in stock. And if I say to them, why why don't you have more of your money in stock? And they'll say, well, I don't really understand it. And so I've just kept it there because I don't, I don't want to risk it and not know what I'm getting into. Uh, and to put it in perspective, I mean, I'm 55 and I'm still 100% stock. So the idea that a person in their 20s would not be 100% stock in the retirement plan is absurd. But yet I see that regularly. And so when I think about, uh, if you look at, and I'm not going to talk about one specific 
percent, but you know, long-term fixed interest is earning four or five percent. Long-term stocks are ten percent. What's the difference for that twenty-five or thirty-year-old if they had a hundred percent in stock over thirty years versus a hundred percent fixed interest? Right. I mean, it's life-changing. So, so yeah. So just to clarify, if you are a hundred percent stock, that is the more aggressive uh, allocation. Absolutely, and you're going to see a lot of volatility in it. And, and speaking of that, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's the other thing that a financial advisor can help you with. So and I'll give you a, I'll give you a real life example. Um, I have a client that's in his 30s, really never invested, came to me, was skeptical, skeptical of the industry, skeptical of everything. Right. So I got him to invest some money. And uh, just this year, so in March and April, he hadn't invested all his money in stocks, but we put some of it in stocks. So he calls me in late March, early April. So the, the market had bottomed March 23rd, 24th. So he says to me, you know, Bo, I see my account value. It's dropped significantly. Maybe we should just get out of this, right? I'm tired of losing money. And I think we got a lot of similar phone calls during that same period. Right, right. <laughs> so so the guy's name was Brian. I said, you know, Brian, if you're asking for my advice, I would tell you to take all the money you have in fixed interest and put it in stock. So we chatted a little bit more, and he said, look, Bo, you know what? I trust you. If that's what you're telling me I should do, that's what I'm going to do. We'll see how this thing plays out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as of today, Brian's account's up 15 or 20%. Wow, that's incredible. But, it is, but you know what I told him was, and so going back to your question is, why do you need a financial advisor? Think about this for Brian. Brian, what is what was that advice worth to Brian? Right? What's the value of that advice? It's it's significant, Priceless. right? You're mm-hmm. right. But the other thing I told him was, when we came out of it and just spoke to him recently, I said, Brian, look. This is bigger than just this decision. I said, what I want you to do is remember this decision for the next 40 years. Mm -hmm. Like the last time this happened, what did I do? I was very emotional. But when I made the logical decision, I made a lot of money off of it. So that's if you think about one of the and it's, you know, it's not baked into what you learn as a financial advisor. But if you if you think about what the value of a financial advisor is, it's really preventing people from making mistakes like that uh, and people don't realize the value of of a situation like that until you go through it so right. you know now Brian's completely on board he completely mm-hmm. understands the value of it right so I know that that's not all um, that financial planners do what are just some other um, some other things that a financial planner could help you with I know like taxes are something that um, a lot of people don't want anything to do with them Right, right. I want to. I, I, I am going to touch on taxes. I do want to say just a couple more things about the investments. That was a great example of just high level. But the other thing is, is that um, as far as people making decisions, I'll give you one more investment, uh, and it actually touches on the taxes. Investment example is so people start work and they start investing. Uh, should they put it in their Roth 401k, pre-tax 401k, uh, non-deductible IRA? Where should they put the money? Uh, and most of the time, they're not sure where. And so, just walking through that, because again, if I put, if I'm 25 and I start funding my Roth 401k at 65, 
that money is all tax-free. If I put it in pre-tax at 25, at 65, it's all taxable. That's pretty significant, right? Right. So that's uh, that. That's important. So um, on the investing piece, again, there's a lot of subtle things that decisions that you make that have a big impact on your life, but you don't realize it because you really don't have the knowledge that you need. Uh, on the tax side, I would say just understanding how things flow, um, understanding the tax brackets, understanding capital gains tax, that kind of thing. And I, I would tell you, there's nobody that I've met that really understands that. So it's not, what I tell them is, I say it's not that you have a bad plan, it's that you have no plan at all uh, and because you don't understand it. So when we walk through it and they understand it, they say, okay, yeah, this is this this really makes sense to me. So um, that, that's the way I would say as far as the tax piece, just understand the brackets I'm not going to go through that on the podcast today, but understand the brackets, understand how they impact you, and uh, understand how you can uh, work through those brackets and minimize taxes as you grow your investments. Okay, yeah, I want nothing to do with my taxes. Um, I'm one who likes to pay for convenience. Um, so anytime I can pay someone so I don't have to look at them, that's my preference, and I know a lot of uh, my friends feel the same way. Um, so you've said that you have one more example that might be the most important thing you talk about today. So that's a big statement, Bo. So what is the most important thing that you could help us with? Well, I'm going to tell you, as far as the financial planning field is concerned, the, the most important thing would be disability insurance. I know you're thinking, well, that's, that doesn't sound very exciting to me, but, uh, I want to explain if you, ask most people what their biggest asset is. They'll say my house or my car or my 401k or my retirement money or savings. But really their most um, valuable asset is their ability to earn income. Uh, If you take a person, let's say just out of college, starting their job at 25, how much money do they earn from, say, 25 to 65? What is the value of that earning power? It is staggering. And so what disability insurance does is it protects that asset. So um, let's say I get out of college, I have, and I just met, met with a young man that was in this situation. I get out of college, I've got an engineering degree, I'm making $60,000 a year, um, and I want to protect that. Because for most people, not only are they going to make money, uh, make that money from 25 to 65, but that number will go up, hopefully, right? Hopefully their income goes up over their lifetime. So again, the number, the, the asset that they're trying to protect is staggering. And so what disability says is if you become sick or disabled, and you are not able to work, we will pay you. That's what disability insurance is. Okay, so if I have a disability policy, um, then what does it pay me? That's a good question, and that's that's a key part of it. Um, typically is a percentage of what you're currently making. So most, most people, a lot of companies have group disability plans. Now, two things about group disability plans, they are taxable to you because the company is paying, and typically it only pays 50% of your income. So in that situation, if I'm making $60,000, 
Typically, if I become disabled, my company only pays me $30,000 and it's taxable to me. So I'm not really insuring my entire asset. And then, in fact, if you said, well, not only are you not insuring your asset, uh, if your income is supposed to grow over your lifetime, you're really not insuring it because that 30000 is going to stay stagnant for the next 40 years. So that's how important disability insurance is. Uh, some people get confused between short-term and long-term. I would tell you, never spend a penny on short-term disability insurance. And there's we have a whole podcast on disability insurance. I won't go into the details, but we're really... For this, the point I'm trying to make today is long-term disability insurance is one of the most important decisions you will ever make. And if you don't make it, if you don't make an educated decision on whether you need your own policy, how to sign up for it at work, uh, the whole thing, you are exposing yourself to a financial risk you can't believe. And this is this is why I tell you it's the most important subject that we discussed in this podcast today. And I, I will tell you, I see it every day that people have no idea what it is. And so they completely miss out on uh, the risk that they're taking. So the last question I'll ask about this, and I know that we have a whole other podcast on disability policies because they're, they can be super complicated. If I'm taking income from a disability policy, is that taxable to me? Uh, that's a good question. If it's a group policy, it would be taxable to you if you buy your own policy, uh, it will be tax-free to you. So typically, um, if, if I'm making $60,000 a year, if I got a, a policy that was tax-free to me of $60,000, that's actually worth more than what I was making. Uh, insurance companies don't like that. They don't like you to, be, to make more disabled than working. So typically, because you your benefit is tax-free, you would only need let's say in that example, maybe $40,000 after tax to be the equivalent of the 60. So if you own the policy, it's tax-free. The company pays for the, If your, your company, your employer pays for the policy, it would be taxable. So that's part of the decision-making process you would go through. So that's a huge advantage to having your own individual disability Absolutely. policy. Absolutely. Great, Bo. Well, I think I've learned a lot. Um, thanks for joining me today, and we'll see you on our next episode of Money Gurus. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, please shoot us an email at morgan at focus1fp.com. If you are interested in learning more about what services we offer, please visit our website at www.focus1fp.com.